The coronavirus pandemic is creating unique challenges for the domestic abuse sector. In this podcast episode, Jay Silver from Safe Lives talks to the UK's first domestic abuse commissioner, Nicole Jacobs. Nicole was formerly the CEO of the charity Standing Together Against Domestic Violence and has more than two decades of experience in the sector. In her current role, Nicole leads on driving improvements on the UK's response to domestic abuse. And today, Jo and Nicole discuss this response in light of the pandemic and how the domestic abuse sector is adapting, as well as implications for adult and child victims and the role of employers. Thank you, Nicole, uh, for joining me today. I really appreciate your time and I know you're busy. I just thought for our listeners, we would um, start by giving you the opportunity to introduce your role as it's new and not everybody knows what your role is and, and how you're approaching it. So can we start with that? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Nicole Jacobs and I'm the um, relatively new designate domestic abuse commissioner for England and Wales. So I would have been appointed in late September by government, but I, I'm not party political or I'm not working for government. I'm, I'm appointed to be independent of government to both advise, but also hold government account at a local level and national levels for, um, really adhering to their ambitions and strategies related to domestic abuse and to some extent uh, wider violence against women and girls. Excellent. Um, and this is a, a new role which will have um, specific uh, powers attached to it when uh, the domestic abuse finally uh, bill finally um, yeah. goes through the process that's been stalled quite a few times. But I just wanted for us to talk about for the next 10 minutes or so how kind of the COVID-19 um, and how that has impacted on your role and what you're using your new role to do and what we're doing as a state response, if you like, knowing that staying safe at home for the majority of our families in the UK is absolutely the right thing to do. Um, but knowing that for some of our families where there is domestic abuse ongoing, that might not uh, be the safest route. So I know you've been doing a lot of negotiating and bringing people together. Can you tell us um, what your day looks like at the moment? Yeah, so... um you know, my my work life has been in the sector. So I've worked with you, Joe. I've worked at um, Refuge. I've worked at quite a few um, local and national organizations. So I think anyone who works in domestic abuse or uh, has any experience of domestic abuse will understand really quickly how how um, devastating the kind of the lockdown, the self-isolation would be for people. So the Department for International sent me a few weeks ago, which really gave very early indicators of what was happening in other countries like Italy and China, where they saw and have seen marked increases in domestic abuse reporting. And so um, even though we would know that just kind of in our bones, um, it, it is quite stark when you see the kind of data coming from other countries. And obviously, you know, there's been some analysis of previous types of ap- um, epidemics um, and the effects um, and, and of kind of self-isolation or the kind of measures we're seeing. So that has really helped 
to get um, allow me to get government focused. And obviously there will be people in every government department who will have been feeling the same and thinking the same. But part of my role is helping just to coordinate that effort and bring in the voices of the frontline services and coordinate that. So on a Monday, um, this is for the second week running, so it's all relatively new. Um, I can, I chair a call that has mainly the, the national helplines and, um, organizations that are helping with the contingency planning or the kind of, um, you know, getting together information from frontline services along with, um, representatives from, from each of the government departments. And we, share just the most basic of information, obviously police information, um, calls to the helplines, all of that. And then we do a readout of that call to kind of wider stakeholders. So um, the victims commissioner, the children's commissioner, uh, the, you know, government ministers, obviously, first and foremost, in a lot of ways, and, um, and, and the opposition, so labor opposition party, so that uh, people have a really good people who are in positions where they're going to be discussing, making decisions, um, and really involved in conversations about this so that they understand the current information out there. Thank you. And I, I did join that call yesterday and I was struck by, for me, in my um, career working in domestic abuse, it's definitely a first that we've had all of those um, sector players and government talking as one and understanding where the gaps were in the duplication. It feels from a, um, a policy and funding and commissioning um, perspective more joined up Um than I feel yeah. it's probably ever been. And I think that's just probably reflection of the whole country at the moment. I think the whole country communities all feel a bit joined up, whether that's on Skype or Teams. We're all desperately trying to um, make the most of, of the resources that we've got. And I've seen that happening from the front line as well. So uh, mm-hmm. at Safe Lives, mm-hmm. we're talking to frontline services and um, victims through uh, different surveys and calls and Skypes and every every other way that you can talk to people. And what the frontline services just have a gut feeling around is what you've already said about other countries. You know, we know that um, putting families in situations where they're isolated is particularly risky for uh, families experiencing domestic abuse. But also, it's really difficult to know what what to do about it. And I can see lots of great creative um, ideas coming through about how we get information um, to those families and understanding um what the services are struggling with and it is always the same and I think this is funny so the uh, services uh, that are coming back to us it's always the IT so if you just think about frontline services they're normally professionals who are happy running around from meeting um, their their clients and survivors going to court speaking to lots and lots of people now the very same professionals are in lockdown with a laptop 
that they probably don't know how to use very well with not enough um, equipment. So it's the IT that uh, the front line is uh, feeding back, that the people are committed. Of course, they're trying to juggle looking after children. Professionals are committed to de- delivering the services, um, but the IT and the skill set around working from home needs um, to be very quickly much better than it is. And we heard that yesterday on the call um, too, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And and the fact that it's costly. So to divert calls from, from something that's set up as a national helpline, maybe to home working, which are what some of the helplines are doing, um, it's costly. They're losing money from kind of from not being able to do the same kinds of fundraising that they're used to and kind of day to day operations. So um, so I suppose some of the thinking is about how to sustain those kind of very initial points of contact, our national helplines, getting a word, getting the word out that there's a varied number of helplines, that there's web chats, that there's, um, you know, email facilities, that there, that, you know, there's a national helpline for male victims. There's a national helpline for people who are worried about their own abusive behavior, um, the rights of women, um, helplines and the kind of money advice helplines. Those are all seeing increases and, and a lot of drive to the, um, web chats and, and all of these things. And, and it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a big challenge for people to for services to adapt to that so quickly to change to home working, diverting calls, web chats, a, kind of a driving of the um, kind of increased, um, you know, the increase in the traffic to their own websites and, and updating all of that information. So I guess one of the concerns that I have is just making sure that government in the really quick time um, supports that as quickly as possible while we're thinking about um, these kind of a broader coordinated response. Thanks, Nicole. And I suppose that speaks straight to families, doesn't it? Because what you hear Nicole saying is all of those helplines are still up and running. It is a challenge, but there is help out there and those helplines are accessible um, on any um, uh a website search uh, will be uh, putting those helplines on the podcast and links too. So I think what what you need to hear if you're a family experiencing domestic abuse is all of those helplines are still up and running and uh, will be on the other end of the phone when you give them a ring. Um, yeah, and I, I just I wanted to say a word about your surveys too because I know. Um, you all have a survey out. I noticed this morning, um, Women's Aid, I was retweeting a survey that they're doing, which I know they've, um, linked up and kind of joined up with, with you about. But, um, those types of surveys are really well worth people investing some time to do because, um, when you summarize those and give them back to, um, people like me and others, um, in, and, working in government and making decisions, it really, really helps. Um, it, it helps to make decisions more quick, quickly, have clarity about what the situation is, where the needs are. And, um, and also one of the things we talked about yesterday on the call is just 
how many people are in a position to kind of get out the best of what's going on and the best of ideas. So the local government association was committing to doing that on the call yesterday. People in government departments will be in positions to kind of draw linkages with other um, more kind of mental health helplines and other wider efforts that might be happening Um in terms of just focusing on more vulnerable groups in general. So there's a lot of linking up to do. So anything we can do to get um, people investing a little bit of time and energy on those surveys is really, really important. So thank you for doing that. And just to link into that, uh, I think just some numbers, and it is early days, and this is 113 services that are operationally supporting uh, families where there's domestic abuse. One in 10 of those um, services said that uh, they had unsafe staffing levels at the moment. And that was more about, I think, the mobilisation from working one way to another, mm-hmm. um, not not that uh, their staff are unwell with the coronavirus, just that the technology and just the momentum um And we're going to keep an eye on that every month and see how that settles out. And just under a quarter of services were saying uh, they weren't uh, uh, effectively supporting adult victims as much as they would want to. But what they're all really saying, I think this is useful for you um, and um, colleagues uh, at the in government, is that. Isolation is proving really difficult for us to support child victims of abuse. And that's due to a lot of the ways that uh, we work with children and not being in the same room as them is extremely difficult. So I know the children's sector, the children's commissioner, children's charities are all aware of that. But it's just to say that we are hearing that from uh, mm-hmm. domestic abuse services too I think that's important and also yeah. again to bang home the role of a domestic abuse professional is seen as a key worker and that does mean that your children can access school and we're seeing that that's not being played out uh, across the country uh, consistently so we would urge um, you to help us make that clear that domestic yeah, abuse yeah. professionals can access um school for their for their children absolutely and one thing that it seems to me that helps people is when they have um a letter from their employer that really makes that clear um if you look on you know the twitter feed or some of the government websites there there is some clarity there's not an actual change to the guidance the guidance sounds a little bit broad in terms of, you know, charity workers who, um, who work in relation to kind of, um, you know, various groups. So it doesn't say domestic abuse workers specifically, but we've had, um, you know, I've had clarity, um, in writing from government. So I think people can feel very clear that that's, um, absolutely assured from, from a government point of view. And I think having letters, um, from your employer that, that really state that, because I think some of it is just the confusion of, um, schools are mobilizing quite quickly and all of that. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, d- I wanted to say something about children. I mean, I, I was up early this morning, um, doing an interview for the Today program on Radio 4 and they led with a story of, a 14 year old boy who was in, um, 
you know, who was listening to the radio, like a local radio station that was covering kind of the increase of domestic abuse or, you know, in, in the context of the crisis. And he literally just packed a bag and left his house and went to the radio station um, because of his home environment and the abuse at home and just feeling unsafe. And, um, and the, the radio station then, of course, called the, the right services. And it, I mean, it, it is a really stark example of how people will be feeling. You know, I don't have any other option. I've just heard this on the radio. I'll go to the radio station. And, um, one of the things that really struck me on the call yesterday that I will be working on this week is, um, is what I mean by that wider coordinated response. So my first thought last week was very focused or the weeks before was the police helplines, frontline services, contingency planning, and all of that is going on. But I do think now we have to think about, um, housing, you know, do we have enough bed space or places for people to go, including perpetrators who might be, be ousted through say a DVPO or something like that in coming weeks? you know, social care, do they have the kind of equipment they need to be doing home visits, checking in on play, on families where they know that there's domestic abuse and other vulnerabilities. And so um, we will have to be much more proactive. But there are some opportunities like, you know, yesterday, um, the Department of Health um, on the call, we're talking about the opportunities to, to get out to the, the I think it's like 700 plus thousand now NHS volunteers just because they will be the eyes and the ears in the community. So we have to think about where are the opportunities where people will be interacting, where there could be um, some op- some opportunities just to provide support or alert people that something's not quite right. Sorry, I know that was quite long winded, but no, I think no. it's not ev- it's not ever with domestic abuse ever going to be just one thing, is it? It's going to have to be a not. number of things. Yeah. So and, I think and- we have to just have a have a cross governmental work plan, which is another thing we were talking about yesterday, how important it is to really be clear on what the program of work should be to kind of get where we need to go in any number of these areas. And lastly, the a broader coordinated response and how employers fit into that. I think it'd be really useful um, to talk about home working and that is a link um, Mm -hmm. for, for families, isn't it? So how could they help? Yeah. I mean, that's one area where I think you could quickly invest a little bit more resource to have a huge impact because we do have the employers initiative um, which has 350 employers. Some are quite huge. Um, and they do have tools and all sorts of resources. They don't really have like a, a proactive kind of, they, they are emailing out to their members and things like that, but they're, they don't really have kind of a helpline facility or something like that. And employers who are checking on people working at home in any number of ways for any number of reasons could play a really critical role um, if they fully understand that that employees at home may not be working in a safe environment, may have concerns. And obviously, you know, you're going to be allowed to speak to your employer or most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, So I think yeah. um, employers have a huge role to play here. And I think we need to think very quickly about how we can take the resources we have um, which are quite good ones, but really amplify that as much as possible. 
Thanks, Nicole. And, you know, what I have um, started the call with saying that your role has pulled um, the domestic abuse uh, experts and the government experts together. And it's very, very early days, but we are, you know, overwhelmed really by everyone trying to do the best that they can and we know for domestic abuse victims isolation is hard and there is no easy answers but we are all working um to find how we can support you um and and your your children in this situation and what i would like to say is perhaps we could come back in a in a month or so to see and update people with what is um out there what we have learned and what we are um doing um to coordinate a response so that um victims don't feel trapped in isolation with no way out that we are proactively engaging uh, with those that can't access the internet and that we've worked out uh, a way just to let people know they're not on their own um mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. if if you could um some sum up Nicole I wonder if if you could speak to any survivors that might be listening to this what you would say to finish oh I guess what I would say is just um how much um I spend my time thinking about about you individually and thinking about people who might be at home experiencing um domestic abuse and feeling so alone and what I would want you to know is just how much people are working behind the scenes and there's incredible inspiring work happening and but none of us will ever feel we're doing enough including me Um, and while I can't obviously work individually with people in the same way that I would have done in the past um, everything I'm doing is about trying to mobilize as much support and as much work um, and attention in the direction of of um, this issue is possible because I do realize that this is critical and it's incredibly important that we um, raise this at the highest levels of government to do as much as we can. So I will try to do that. I can't imagine I'll go to sleep anytime in the next few weeks feeling like I've done enough each day, but I will be trying every day to do as much as I can for you. Thank you very much. And we um, are appreciating uh, the work that you are doing and um, just looking forward to seeing how much of a difference this new domestic abuse commissioner role um, makes on the ground when we're all up and running. So thank you very much, Nicole, for your time. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for all the work you're doing, Joe.